The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. Hi, everyone. I'm Haley Hubbard, mom to three kids and wife to a touring artist. And I'm Jessica Diamond, a registered dietitian nutritionist with a master's in public health. And this is Meaningful Living. Every week, we're breaking down the overwhelming amount of parenting, nutrition, and lifestyle information into credible knowledge and simple tools. The Cliff Notes Guide to Feeling Confident in Your Everyday Choices. It takes a village. We're so excited to share ours with you. Welcome back to Meaningful Living Podcast. I'm Haley Hubbard here with my co-host, Jess Diamond. And this week we have Katie Kelly, our nanny, back to answer all your questions. We're talking sleep for babies and toddlers, the secret to handling transitions, getting rid of the passy and bottle, how to keep our cool when our kids push our buttons, and so much more. And stick around until the end of the episode today because Katie shares the best lesson for handling tough times with kids that she actually learned from dog training, and it's a game changer. We were glued to the conversation as always with her and know you will be too. And while listening to the episode, if you enjoy it and find it helpful, we'd love if you share it on your Instagram stories and tag us or tell a friend or leave a review. It's the reviews from all of you that encourage others to listen to the show. And we want to share our knowledge and real life experience with all we can. It takes a village and we're so grateful to you and this entire community. Now let's get all your questions answered with Katie. Well, we're so happy to have you back, Katie. And For those of you that don't know Katie, she's our amazing nanny, but I'm pretty sure all of you do. Um, Everyone's very excited about this episode, I know, from our Instagram questions. And so what we're going to do for this episode is ask Katie like these rapid fire questions of all the questions that everyone asked on our Instagram. And if you have not seen or if you do not follow the Katie Sitters Club, go follow right now. But she does this every once in a while where she goes on walks and she answers everybody's questions. and. She does it so well. And so I'm very excited about this episode. Even though I'm with you, Katie, a lot, I still like am glued to those those Instagram stories that you do. And I know everyone else is. So Aww, thank you. They're so fun. I know we have so many good questions. Like a lot of people even said, we just want to know everything. We want to know everything. She is so good. But the one question I do want to just answer right off the bat that someone said was, are you taking any new families? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to say, no, she's not. Um, She's going to stay with us forever and ever. And that's my hope and and dream for for us. That's perfect. I will transition into a granny nanny. I'll watch Liv's future kids, Lucas' future kids, all of them. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. I'm glad we've just covered that. Um, (laughs) But... Now we can just dive right in, I guess. Jess, do you want to start with all of the the questions? Yeah, let's start. I'm excited for this. All right. We got a lot of sleep questions. So when should Mm -hmm. you put your new baby on a sleep schedule? Um, Putting your baby on a schedule, I always say wait for until six weeks. Give them six weeks to really get to know your baby, get to know their sleep cues, their hunger cues, their little personalities, all of that. 
there's just no huge need right away. You're not going to get your two-day-old on a super consistent schedule and it's not really cognitively appropriate anyway. So just enjoy that time snuggling them, getting to know them. And after that, we'll, you know, hit the ground running. I will say though, you can start healthy sleep habits from day one. So don't think that just because you're waiting till six weeks that everything can go out the window. It can, but I would prefer, (laughs) you know, you start those healthy sleep habits, like having them sleeping alone on their back in their crib and sleeping in a a sleep promoting environment. So a dark, quiet, cozy, cool room, Uh, all of that you can start from the beginning. Amazing. If I could go back to those first six weeks of those snuggles. Oh, (laughs) yes, exactly. Yeah. When should we sleep train? Sleep training is, I avoid the word sleep training because again, I think if you start all those healthy sleep habits from day one, ideally your baby will naturally transition into sleeping overnight without you necessarily having to train them. But a general rule of thumb for when they can sleep through the night is 12 weeks, 12 pounds, and if they're getting 24 ounces during the day. So if your baby's on a healthy growth pattern and they have hit all of those milestones, that gives you kind of a little marker that they can do it and we can start working towards it. Awesome. So then what about like any tips for early morning waking? Someone said that their seven month old is all of a sudden waking up at 5 a.m. Yeah. So there's a few reasons that can be happening. If you have a baby who's been consistently sleeping through the night and all of a sudden they're waking up, if you rule out any of the medical stuff, they're teething or they're starting new food around seven months. So that might be, there might be gas or might be things like that. If you rule that out, the two things to look for are one, if they're overtired. So if they aren't getting enough sleep, their rhythm, their natural rhythm is really messed up and they wake up earlier, which seems counterintuitive. You would think that if they're not getting enough sleep, they would need to catch up. And I've seen it so many times where people are like, my baby doesn't sleep through the night, so I'm not going to let them nap. I'm just going to put them down so they'll sleep longer. That never works. Sleep begets sleep. The more they sleep, the more they're going to sleep. So if you have them on a healthy sleep schedule during the day and they're filling their sleep tank, when you put them down, they should sleep a nice long stretch. If they aren't getting that, uh, there's a big chance that they're overtired and they're going to wake early and their body's not going to know if it's time to wake up or time to go back to sleep. Sometimes, you know, we feel like maybe we should put them down a little later, but it's this opposite thing that happens with sleep, right? Like if your baby's going too late to bed, sometimes if you creep, you know, bedtime up by 30 minutes, all of a sudden they're sleeping through the night. So it is, it is so true, right? Sleep brings sleep. Yes. I actually saw this really interesting video the other day where this lady was talking about, she's a sleep consultant and she was saying how, if you have a kid who's waking up really early consistently, switch their bedtime to 5 PM for a couple nights and see if they catch up on that sleep debt and they, and make it through. And people were like, what? 5 PM? And she was like, just try it and see what happens. A lot of the time, it's a good reset to get them back to sleeping the way their sleep cycles line up to where they'll sleep through until the morning. That was Luca last night. He, yeah. We had to put him to bed at 5.30. <laughs> that was another story for, for different reasons. But <laughs> and then the opposite of that is if you have an undertired baby. So around that age, they might be ready to transition a nap. They're probably ready to drop that cat nap if they're still doing that. So it's a good time to look into that and see if they are sleeping too much during the day, then they're just ready to get up and get going. Completely. So what do we do when they wake up at 5 a.m.? So I always say never start a habit that you're going to have to break. Never bring in anything new that you're going to have to work yourself out of. So if you do have a baby who's been sleeping through the night successfully for three months and they start waking up, don't go in and automatically grab them out and rock them back to sleep. Don't go in and introduce a new feed to try to get them back down. 
your first move should always be to just stay consistent with what you've been doing. So I would wait about five minutes, see if they settle themselves back down. If they aren't screaming, I'm going to leave them to let them fuss and figure it out and see if they fall back asleep. If they do get to the point of screaming, go in, rock them in their bed, you know, put your hand on their chest and just wiggle them back and forth a little bit, shush them, give them a pacifier and see if you can get them to calm back down. As soon as they're calm, walk back out. Totally. I mean, I love this because what you're saying is it's a learning process, right? It's a learned skill. And so they need some practice. Exactly. And they are so smart. They know if you do it one time, if you go in and start reintroducing a middle of the night feeding the next day, they're going to cry longer and louder until you do it again, because they were like, Hey, that was great. I got a midnight snack last night. I'm going to try that again. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Yeah. So let's just take a minute to talk about our sponsor, Sakara. Why is it so hard as parents to remember to take care of ourselves? We have the mental load of parenting constantly on our shoulders. So when it comes to us, we forget to drink water, let alone feed ourselves nourishing foods. A few weeks ago, I had an insane morning and I was just making sure everyone else was taken care of. And it wasn't until three o'clock before I realized I hadn't eaten myself. And I was like, enough is enough. I need to prioritize myself because when I do, I'm actually a better parent and wife and just much happier overall. So I've been taking care of myself with Sakara and I've loved it. I've been getting Sakara's meals delivered. And let me tell you, not being hangry, but also getting nutritious, delicious, all organic plant-based meals has made the biggest difference for my mood and energy level. I'm just a better mom and wife when I feel physically and mentally better and feel great that I'm doing something to prioritize myself. The meals are delivered right to your door and they taste amazing. The time it takes to meal prep and cook for myself just doesn't happen on a regular enough basis. And Sakara has been such a great way for me to take care of my health and wellness. It's hard for us to prioritize ourselves, but it's so important. And Sakara has made it so simple. Along with delicious plant-rich meals, Sakara also offers daily wellness essentials like supplements and herbal teas to support your nutrition. Experience their best-selling Metabolism Super Powder and Metabolism Super Bar to control your sugar cravings, reduce bloating, boost energy, and reduce fatigue. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when you go to sakara.com slash full or enter full, F-U-L-L, at checkout. That's sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash full to get 20% off your first order. So then what about naps? We got a lot of questions about naps. So how do you get your kid to nap for the scheduled length of time? Okay, so this is a great question. A lot of people run into the problem where their kids are napping only 30 to 45 minutes when they should technically be napping an hour and a half or so. This is just usually just a problem if they're around, you know, four to six months and you're seeing this, it's a problem with connecting sleep cycles. Sleep cycles are about a 45 minute loop. And for adults, we can go in and out of them throughout the night with no problem. It's kind of where you wake up a tiny, tiny bit, fall right back to sleep. You know, you roll over and fall back asleep. For babies, it's a lot harder for them to naturally connect those sleep cycles. So when they get to the end of one sleep cycle, they fully wake up before they fall back to sleep. So if they're waking up at 45 minutes, uh, it's the equivalent of having a half a tank of gas. They have enough to get them maybe for another 45 minutes of playtime, but then they are going to lose it. They're going to end up completely off schedule because then they're going to be hungry and they're running out. So I, (laughs) thank you. (laughs) So I always say do anything you can to save that nap. If they wake up at 45 minutes, go in and try to get them calm, 
go in and try to offer a pacifier, anything to get them back asleep if they're really losing it and you have to put them in, in a carrier and wear them for those last 45 minutes or take them on a walk, anything, anywhere that you know your baby's going to sleep really well, that's a safe sleep environment. Until you get them used to connecting those sleep cycles, it's okay you know, to have to rock them for that last 45 minutes in order to kind of establish that schedule. Amazing. And, and as they get older, we always say like, hold the frame, right? Like that, that nap time, even if they aren't sleeping. So once they're out of that mm-hmm. baby stage, right. And they're a little older and they're not losing it, but you want to just keep those naps consistent period of time, whether they're sleeping or not. Right. Yes. 100%. If they are happy in their bed and I leave them in their bed until their nap is over. <laughs> and that's what you want. You want their cribs to be a safe, fun environment for them somewhere where they feel comfortable. They're not if you have a kid who's waking up screaming, I'm like, they are still tired. Every, I mean, all of the Hubbard babies, they wake up and they sit and they talk. Luca might scream, but that's just his tone of voice. <laughs> He's not screaming, crying. He's just yelling for fun. <laughs> but they all True. wake up and just will sit and play with their toes or, you know, Atlas sits there and just plays with his pacifier, plays with his sleep sack, whatever, until you go and get them. Yeah. And there's so much like... Th- cognitive benefit to that too, because it's this alone time, they're keeping themselves occupied. Fantastic. So someone asked, how do I get my grandson to sleep by himself? The minute he gets up, he's awake and crying. Okay. So I would assume that this is probably a toddler. And in that situation, your best bet is just prepare them as much as you can ahead of time. Make it a really special thing for them to sleep by themselves in their big kid bed. This is such a big kid thing start a new bedtime routine and just prep, prep, prep. Kids do so well when they are prepared. So if it were me, I would, I would probably get a special toy that, you know, this is like, this is your grandma bear. So when grandma gets up, we're going to put this bear right here. And this bear is going to sleep next to you all night. And then all throughout the day, here's what we're going to do tonight. We're going to go in your room. I'm going to read you a book. I'm going to turn on your sound machine. I'm going to lay with you for two minutes. When when my timer goes off after two minutes, I'm going to put my grandma bear right here and you're going to snuggle that tonight. (laughs) Yes, he might object. It's going to take a little bit, but I promise you, if you just stay consistent with that stuff, preparing them ahead of time makes a huge difference, but staying consistent too, that if you wake up and scream, grandma's still not going to be able to come in here and sleep with you. I'm still going to have to give you my grandma bear and that's what we're going to do today. You know, every transition, every big thing. He's so used to falling asleep with you. Of course, he's going to cry when you get up because he's used to sleeping with you. It's just a transition. It's hard for a few days. Every, all of them are, it's hard for a few days, but it's so worth it in the end. Totally. And right. Everything in parenting is if we could prep and be consistent, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. So we got a question about a bassinet. How do I get my baby to like the bassinet? It seems like my baby likes everything that she shouldn't sleep in. Yeah. So for this one, my first instinct is going to say, just avoid letting them sleep in anything they shouldn't sleep in just for safe sleep purposes and making sure that they're not at a risk of positional asphyxiation or anything like that. Also just start getting them used to it in small increments. So for naps, start putting them down for naps in their bassinet. If they're crying and they're upset. Don't go pick them up right away. Go in and try to shush them and rock them and get them to settle in their bassinet still. Um, Make sure you're putting your baby down drowsy, but awake so that she knows she's in her bassinet when she goes in her bassinet. That's also a big, a big issue that a lot of people have is they think my baby doesn't like to sleep in, in her crib. She wakes up screaming. It's well, did you put your baby down awake? So she knew she was in her crib or did she fall asleep in your arms? And then she woke up alone in a crib. So it's just one of those that, uh, another one where you stay consistent and just 
make sure that she's aware where she is and she's in a safe environment. If you don't give her another option of where to sleep, she's going to get sleepy and she's going to fall asleep. I love that. Cause it's like, if you put them in their crib and they don't know where they are, they wake up, they're just like, whoa, whoa, wait, I was just like playing or cooing with mom. And now where am I? What is this? Let's take a pause to talk about Bev. We're so excited to share that this episode is brought to you by the amazing team at Bev because just like us, Bev is female-founded and a female-run company that's on a mission to change the wine experience for women. How many times have you wanted to pour yourself a glass of wine or mom juice after a long day with the kids, but you didn't because you didn't want to open up this entire bottle just for you? Well, Bev has the solution, can wine that comes in the cutest single-use cans that are better for you and more refreshing. We discovered it this summer and are loving it so much. They have six varietals. They have rosé, Sauve Blanc, Pinot Gris, Pinot Noir, and Glitz and Glam. And I'm loving the rosé right now. It's dry, crisp, a little fuzzy, and super refreshing. And it's making me feel like summer isn't ending. The can creates this subtle fizz that's so delicious. And you don't have to worry about your kids spilling your wine glass or breaking glass. On weekends now, Josh knows to open a can for me and just give me a few minutes of peace and quiet alone once Bryce goes down. It's been just this nice weekend ritual that I look forward to. The cans look so cute, but they're each filled with a glass and a half of wine and it ships straight to your door. Trust us, we know you'll love this as much as we do. We've worked out a special deal for our listeners. Receive 20% off your first purchase plus free shipping on all orders. I suggest trying the best-selling ladies' night variety pack so you can check out all their delicious bridles. Go to drinkbev.com slash living or use code living at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-B-E-V.com slash living. Bev can also be found at retailers nationwide, including Target, Total Wine, Bevmo, and more. Try it. You'll love it. Now let's get back to our conversation. All right. So here's a big one, Katie. Naps, transitioning naps. So any tips for transitioning from three to two naps or two to one nap? Yeah. So for three to two naps, that's usually around that six to nine month mark. And that's a pretty easy one to knock off. It's usually that cat nap. It's like that last nap of the day around 530 to six that you're going to want to take out. You can easily transition that one by knocking bedtime up 15 minutes. So if they usually do a catnap from 5.30 to 6 and they go to bed at 7, skip the catnap, put them down at 6.45. If they can't make it to 6.45, that's okay. Put them down at 6.30 and just slowly ease them into that one. From 2 to 1 nap, that's a bigger one for a lot of kids. And that can vary, I mean, from 12 to 18 months is usually when they're about ready to drop that one. And that is a big, a big change for a lot of them because they have to hold out for so much longer, you know all of the kids I've watched, they nap at 1 p.m. So that 7 a.m. to 1 p.m. is a huge wake window. So you have two options there depending on your lifestyle. For us, we've always just kind of cold turkey, moved them to that later nap, kept them super busy and entertained during the day and on the go so that they weren't too fussy and upset about it. And then just implemented that 1 p.m. nap. An easier transition if you are at home and uh, you have the time to do it is you can just bump it up at 30 minutes to an hour at a time. So if they normally are napping 9.30 to 10.30, move that nap from 10.30 and just let them nap through as long as they can. If they need a little catnap on the end, that's okay. A couple days later, move it to 11, let them nap as long as they can. And then slowly after every few days, move it 30 minutes to an hour, however you see how they're adjusting. And then eventually they'll get to that 1 p.m. 
such good advice. And one of the tips that really worked for us was when you're trying to extend for a nap, like you said, keep them busy, but go outside. If you have like Mm -hmm. 15 minutes, sometimes just taking your baby or toddler outside just helps keep them a little more awake. 100%. I've seen the thing that goes around sometimes that says, if you have a fussy kid, take them outside or put them in water, one or the other, you know, give them a bath, let them play for a while or walk outside with them. And it really does work. All right. Last question on sleep then is tips for transitioning to a toddler bed. Ooh, this is a fun one. One we're going to have to deal with soon. <laughs> the house. <laughs> so we got really, really lucky with Liv. She was over Christmas with Haley a couple years ago and got a stomach bug. And so she had to sleep in bed with Haley. And that was right after, I mean, she had just almost turned two, I think. Yeah. And by the time I got there a week later uh, to help out, Liv was just fully sleeping in a big girl bed and she was fine. So she was an exception to the rule. <laughs> Luke is a little more of a wild child. So with him, what we're going to have to do and what I recommend is first bring the bed in beforehand. If you're not transitioning their crib into a bed, if it's not one of those that turns in, bring the bed in ahead of time and let them get used to it. Let them play in it let them just talk about it a lot. Look at your big boy bed. You're going to start sleeping in this big boy bed, all of that. Let them decorate it with what they want, you know, pick out their blankies and their loveys and all of that. And then start with naps first for any sleep transition like that. You can start with naps. If you're putting them in their crib, you're putting them in a big kid bed, start with those naps. So it's not such a drastic change for them. And then lastly, make sure their room is childproofed and safe. That is the biggest thing. If you do have a kid who's going to be a little bit more adventurous. You want to make sure all those outlets are covered. You want to make sure there's nothing they can climb on that's going to knock over on them. Everything's kind of anchored to the wall because if you're asleep and they get up and they start wiling out, you want to make sure that nothing horrendous is going to go wrong. You can also, you can also put a baby gate on the door so that if they open the door, I think it's important that they can open the door and see that they're home and you can hear them and they're safe, all of that but that they can't escape. So baby gate's a great option for that. I'm so glad you said that. Uh, Safety's huge, but also just don't transition, right? To the big bed until you've really made sure that the crib is no longer an option. Yes. Bryce is three and he's still in his crib because he's safely there. So like we put his sleep slack on backwards so he doesn't unzip it. And like, he's still safe in his crib. So I'm not rushing that transition by exactly. That's one of the good things about sleep sacks too, is they cannot figure out how to climb out of a crib if they're in a sleep sack. So you can kind of prolong that until you have a kid who uh, is really, really old enough to transition to a bed. And then, yeah, if you do have a kid who it's unsafe, I always say wait until like after two and a half at least. But if you do have a kid that they are climbing out no matter what, it's safer to put them in a bed at that point. Okay, well, I am going to fire away some questions and talk about like transitions and just kind of some miscellaneous things that were asked. The first one is how do we take the pacifier away? And when do we do that? Oh, I love this question. (laughs) I... Always one. One is like the cutoff for me. (laughs) Like at one, it is gone. You can now sleep. It's safe for you to sleep with a stuffed animal or a lovey. You're getting that. The pacifier is out of here. I am also a huge proponent of pacifiers in bed only. I think for speech, it's so important when you have a pacifier and that is a little quirk and they are so quiet, which is great. But sometimes, you know, for speech development and then being engaged and being involved in anything you're doing in your house. I love to keep the passies strictly in bed. It also doesn't become a kind of a crutch when you're out and about that the pacifier always has to be in the in. It always has to be with them. It's it's one of those things I, I love to keep bed only from, you know, for newborns, passies all the time are 
totally great. But from about four months on, I stick them in, in the bed and that's the only place you're going to see them. So at one, I am a more of a cold turkey person. <laughs> so I say, thank you for your passy. Here's a lovey. Have a great nap. I have the most anyone has, any one-year-old has ever objected to this was maybe one bedtime and, or a nap in a bedtime. And then it's by the next day, they completely forget that pacifier ever existed. They're still young enough at that point that they bounce back so quick. They adjust really quickly. If you cannot handle the cold turkey method, there are a couple other options you can do. Uh, Frida Baby actually has a passy weaning system that I haven't tried, but I've heard pretty good things about. I love the passy fairy. I don't know if you guys have ever done this or heard of it, but it's similar to the tooth fairy, <laughs> except you give your pacifiers. We're going to go give these pacifiers to babies that don't have pacifiers. And you let them wrap it up in something, go stick it outside in a tree. You can draw a little picture for the passy fairy or leave a note. And then in the morning they go out and there's a new toy or a lovey that they can sleep with or something exciting like that. It makes it a little more of an exciting transition. There's still going to be some objection later when they realize their passies are not coming back, but you just remind them the passy fairy came. Remember you gave your passies to so many babies. It was so exciting. And now you get to sleep with this cool toy. Wow. I love that. Yeah. It might be hard for a day or two, but it's so worth it. Yeah. Just don't give um, in. Don't give it back. No, <laughs> no. Let's just take a break to talk about our sponsor, Conair, for a second, and then we'll get back to our conversation. But we are so excited to share all about Conair's double ceramic triple barrel waiver because as moms and parents, we need a simple and easy way to style our hair because the days of a 30 to 60 minute hair routine are so long gone. We don't know what it is about the end of summer and back to school, but we've been loving changing up our hair and feeling a little more put together in the hair department. So the Conair Double Ceramic Waver gives you the effortless waves and look carefree and beautiful, like the I didn't try too hard look, but I look fabulous hair. It's designed with not only one, but three barrels for deep, continuous waves, and we're loving it. The Double Ceramic technology provides even and consistent heat, fast styling, and long-lasting waves. With instant heat up, 30 heat settings for every hair type, and turbo heat boost for those difficult-to-style spots, it's easy to get the waves you want. And the wide range of heat options lets you customize styling for flawless results. So you can style your hair effortlessly and look more put together for back to school. This curler makes curling your hair so easy. Trust me, if I can do it, I promise you can too. It also has an auto off to keep us safe because we all have those mornings where we forget to unplug appliances. So skip the salon and save time. Big, beautiful waves at home. No salon appointment needed. What is not to love? Get your waiver delivered to your door just in time for back to school. Ordering this back to school essential for beautiful bombshell waves is easy to order. Just go to conair.com and search waiver. That's conair.com and search waiver. Okay, the next question is how to transition a one-year-old off of a bottle to a straw cup for milk. This is another one where right at one, I do a similar thing. So from six months on, when they can start drinking water, you're going to introduce you know, cups. So they know how to drink from cups already. But at one, the bottles are gone. They have disappeared and I'm offering their milk in a cup. So you can do like, you can do their formula or breast milk or whatever they're on, or you can go straight to whatever milk product you want to use in your family. I usually just go straight to whatever milk the family is using and I offer it. And usually they don't drink it. They'll take a sip and spit it out. I had my old nanny kid took a sip and like looked at me 
and then took another sip and went mm, and chugged the whole thing. So you might be surprised. They might really love it. It's just another one of those things that I think we make it so much more of a big deal than it is for the kids. You know, at one, they're, yeah, they get a bottle and they understand that it, there's milk in it, but they don't have some crazy attachment to this bottle. We're the ones that get stressed about it. If we hand them the milk and they don't want it, we're instantly like, oh, put it back in a bottle. You have to have your milk. But ideally at that age, which just, you can back me up on this, but if it's right, but ideally at that age, they're going to have a well-rounded enough diet that they're not missing an insane amount of nutrients from this milk or milk product. So you don't really have to stress if they don't drink it right away and they don't get their, you know, three full cups a day or whatever they were getting before they turned one. Totally. And the thing about it is be consistent. So sometimes your kid might not drink it for a month, but like keep, keep it up and they'll probably mm-hmm. start drinking it again. And then for those families that some kids just aren't then milk drinkers thereafter, you don't have to have milk to meet your nutrient needs after the age of one. It's just a nice safety net. So you don't have to stress if they're not consuming the same ounces like they were under one. I completely agree with that, Katie. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and then how can I not be a reactive parent? Oh my gosh. I love this question so much. This is like probably <laughs> my favorite question on here. Uh, oh, really? I love that. Yes. <laughs> so I always, because it's one of those things that as a nanny, I experienced so much when you are so frustrated or something goes so wrong and you just want to lose it. But for me, it's like, I can't, like, I can't lose it. It is my job yeah. to not lose it. <laughs> so I've had to figure out all these tools to do that. My favorite example that I love to use, I actually learned in dog training. And it was, which sounds crazy, but it works so well for me with kids. It was, I don't know if I've shared it on here before, but the dog trainer said, if you come in your house and your dog chewed up your shoe, pick up the other one and hit yourself in the face with it because you shouldn't have left your shoes out for your dog to chew up. (laughs) And that (laughs) honestly changed my life. Like I was at a point with my dog where I came home every day and she was in the trash can. And I was like, the trash was scattered all over the house. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to buy a better trash can. (laughs) And I did. And it solved that problem. And we were good. So this is something I apply so much for kids. If like the other day, there was some pen on the wall. And in that moment when it's like, you can be really, really upset that there's pen on the wall, or you can be really upset with yourself that I wasn't paying enough attention to the kids to see that they had a pen and were writing on the wall with it. You know, it's one of those moments where you're still going to teach them, hey, listen, you know, we color on paper only. We can't color on the wall because this wall isn't, it's painted. And if it doesn't come off, we're gonna have to repaint the wall. And that's gonna take a really long time, whatever. You can still teach them the lesson without losing your mind in that moment, even though you want to. You have to remind yourself, if I, if my sunglasses get broken, is it frustrating? Yes. Should I have left my sunglasses somewhere where a toddler could grab them and break them? No, (laughs) you know, it's one of those things. So I always say that. So pause in that moment and think about, why? Why did this just happen? Is it something I did? Is it something they're going through, which is another side of it? If, you know, if it's not something destructive or something that I could have prevented, if it's just a big emotion or whatever, try to sit there before you react and think about why they're feeling this way. I remember like, this is the memory that always comes back to me was when we were all in Colorado and Liv and I were walking to go play with her friends and she heard a motorcycle like down the road. And she, at this point, was really, really scared of motorcycles because Tyler had pulled up with his helmet on and it terrified her. (laughs) So she stopped walking and did not want to walk because she was scared. And in that moment, I'm like, Liv, come on, come on, we got to go. And she's about to have this full on meltdown. 
And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, she's just not walking and she's not listening to me. This is so frustrating. Like, come on, we need to walk. We're going, come. And in that, I'm trying not to, you know, lose it and get so annoyed because I'm like, what are you doing? You you know to walk, like we're in the road. And then I sat and I paused for a second. And I'm like, oh, this is what's going on. She just heard that motorcycle. She's super scared of motorcycles right now. She is panicked. And while it might, it's one of those times where, it's like talking versus a tantrum. If I would have just forced her to come, she would have started screaming and losing her mind. And I would have carried her kicking and screaming all the way back there. If I take the time to walk over there and sit and say, what's going on? Okay. You're scared. You're scared of that motorcycle. I understand, but listen, I'm right here with you. You're safe. That motorcycle is really far away. We're going to walk over here together. And that second, it's like, I could, yes, it takes more effort from me to go over and have that conversation with her. When I'm just like, you should be listening to me. Listen to me. What are you doing? Right. But the end result is so much better. So I always just say, pause and think about it. Think about what's happening. Think about why it's happening before you react. Yeah, that's such great advice. And also I was just thinking about in, in another way, just being a reactive parent. You know, I work from home, obviously. And so the kids are at home most of the day, especially in this past year. And so if I hear crying upstairs, like, I think it's natural for a parent to want to run upstairs and be like, what's wrong? Are you okay? And, and it's, it's so normal. You don't want to hear your baby crying. But at the same time, at some point, like we need to trust that the caregiver has it. Obviously, I trust you with my life and three <laughs> of my kids' lives <laughs> and everybody's. But I think it's just human nature to want to run up there. And, and I'll never forget, this was actually, I think, right before you started, Katie, three over three years ago. And... Olivia was crying upstairs and I just had a a friend coming over and like babysitting and Olivia was crying at one point. But in my head, I knew like, she's not in danger. She's not hungry. Like she's okay. She's she's probably just like fussing a little bit. Yeah. And um, the next day she, the caregiver came to me and she was like, I just have to say thank you so much for trusting me and for also not running up there while I was, you know, handling the situation because, you know, she had worked for a previous family that that had done that every time and it just really interfered with what she was doing. And it also just like it doubled up on the shame. Obviously this would be for an older kid, but it doubled up on the shame that it put on the kids instead of mm-hmm. just letting the caregiver handle it or the other parent or whoever it may be. And so obviously I I care about my kids very much. And and if there were a situation that I heard an insane cry, I would go up and and just see what was wrong. But I think that overall, it's really helped our kids and it's helped our caregivers obviously know that we trust them. And it's helped us because I can just trust that there's peace of mind and they're handling it. And I don't need to interrupt everything that I'm doing all day also. Exactly. That's one of the things that as a nanny... I am like, I promise you, if I need your help in this situation, I will tell you and I will let you know. If it is out of my control, I will let you know. And that's usually if there's like an emergency situation, like someone broke an arm and I do need help. But for the most part, that's so, it's so important to have that backing from parents where I know that they know their kid is taken care of and they're safe right now. And we're just handling a situation. I mean, you know, kids can have meltdowns about the tiniest thing. So even if you hear the craziest screaming in the world, it very well could be that 
I handed them a peeled banana and they wanted an unpeeled banana. (laughs) Yeah, that's great advice. And you know, then there's also those sometimes when I hear a cry and I'm like, you know what? I just want to feel needed right now. And I run up and like, (laughs) let Luca hug me. (laughs) There's of course those moments, but overall, I, I really try and stay out of it. If it's in, in those hours that you are at our house. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have so many more questions. I think we need to do a part one and part two of this. And so I've, I've already learned so much and I'm relearning so much that I've forgotten. So thank you, Katie. Of course. So stay tuned for the next episode and we can't wait to chat with you soon. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found something meaningful from this episode. Please follow the show, rate, and don't hesitate to write a little review. We also have a voicemail box you can call to ask us any questions, tell us the topics you'd like covered, or just share where you're struggling and how you could use some extra support. Call 833-444-FULL or 833-444-3855. We want to hear from you. And tune in every Monday for a new episode of Meaningful Living. And if you're looking for more ways to live a meaningful life, follow us on Instagram at Meaningful Living and visit our website, MeaningfulLiving.com. And don't forget with two L's. Can't wait to see you next week.